0: We're continuing our sermon series on back to the source, looking at ways that we can reconnect with the Holy Spirit and reconnect with each other during the stewardship season and, and also how we can do that next year. And today we're looking at how God calls us to give generously. We'll be reading from Second Corinthians chapter 9, verses 6 through 12. But before I read that to you, I invite you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. Gracious and loving God, we come to you now with open hearts, hopeful to hear your word. We pray by the grace of your spirit that the words we hear and the thoughts of our hearts will lead us to your will for all of us as your church and for each of us as your children. Dear God, we love you. We thank you for your love. Amen. So again, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, beginning with verse 6. The point is this. The one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. Each of you must give as you have made up your mind, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to provide you with every blessing in abundance, so that by always having enough of everything, you may share abundantly in every good work. As it is written, he scatters abroad, he gives to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for your great generosity, which will produce thanksgiving to God through us. For the rendering of this ministry not only supplies the needs of the saints, but also overflows with many thanksgivings to God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So there's an old joke that I think about usually during this time of year, during stewardship season. It goes something like this. There was a steward who had a dream. He was walking in a garden with God and he wanted to ask God some questions to get an idea of the expanse and the mind of God. He asked God, God, what is a million years like to you? And God said, oh, my child, a million years is like a second. It goes by so fast. The man was amazed, oh my, the power and the mind of God. Then the man asked, God, what is a million dollars like to you? God said, oh my child, a million dollars is like a, a single penny to me. The steward thought for just a minute, well in that case, God, do you mind giving me a penny? God said, I will, my child, in just one second. During this season of stewardship, we often think about how we are supposed to give our time and our energy and our money to the work of the church. And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about ways, like I say, that we can give our time to worship, give our energy to study. And next week, we'll be talking about service. We've talked about ways that God values worship and prayer and study and service because all of those things bind us together as a community And bind us together with God. And that's what we're trying to do, is to get back to that source of the Holy Spirit. But today we're gonna be talking specifically about those financial gifts that God calls us to give, the ways that God calls us to give generously, not only to the work of the church, but to the needs of those people around us. And sometimes money can be a little touchy subject in the church, there's no doubt. In fact, people ask me from time to time, Brad, does God really need our money? And I have to be honest, if we believe in an abundant God, a God who who provides for everything in the world, I have to be honest and say, no, God doesn't need our money. God doesn't sit up in heaven and and live off of a budget, counting the costs, weighing out the the good and the bad, trying to decide what God can afford and what God can't afford. As our scripture says today, God provides abundantly for all the things that we have. It's God who provides the seed. It's God who provides the bread. It's God who provides everything for us. It's not God sitting up there trying to, to build up treasures in a bank account account and yet in spite of the fact that this all-powerful God doesn't need money from us the Bible mentions money and possessions over 800 times throughout the course of scripture money somehow is important to God and the way we use our money is somehow important to God in spite of the fact that as I said before God is not the one in need so why is it that God talks so much about money throughout scripture Scripture tells us in several different places it answers that question by saying number one money is often looked at as an idol we sometimes put our faith and our trust in money rather than putting our faith and trust in God and so God asks us to give generously as a way to show that we put our faith in God and not in financial resources. Other times the Bible says that we are broken, limited people, people who need food, people who need water, people who need those basic physical needs, and God cares about those basic physical needs. And so in order to to pay for those things, we need to share money and, and share our resources with each other to care for those people around us in need. But over the past few, well, I'd say eight months or so, maybe a year or so, as I've been, in fact, working on my doctorate that I just finished last year, I've started to think of, of, of the, the use of money in a different way and the purpose of money in a little different way. God gives us money and God asks us to give our money in order to build relationships. And that might not make a lot of sense to you because we often think of money as a way that, that keeps us apart. The haves and the have-nots, the, the people who have a lot of things and, and the people who don't have a lot of things. And, and, and money, because it's such a touchy subject, we don't like to talk about it with each other. But the truth of the matter is, I truly believe God provides the resources that we have and asks us to give the resources that we have so that we can build communion with each other. Some of you know when I was working on my, uh, the project for the endowment that I, I mailed that information to you a couple of weeks ago. I got together with a small group of people here in the church, a task force, and we started looking at all the reasons why we should give and why it's important to give to the life of the church. And we read this little book by Henri Nouwen. You know I mentioned Henri Nouwen all the time. It's called A Spirituality of Fundraising. And one of the things he says in the book is that God asks us for money to draw us into communion, community. Just like we gather around this table, some of us bring the bread and some of us eat the bread, but we all share the bread together. God calls us into communion when God asks us to participate in the mission and ministry of God. It's not just about paying the bills. We certainly have a lot of bills here at the church. It's not just about keeping the lights on or paying salary, but for God... It is about building community. Just like I've told you many times before, with a blessing of our weaknesses, is that it forces us into friendships. It forces us into relationships. And if we want to build relationships with other people, we have to be honest not only about what we have to give, but also about the needs that we have. Because in giving and sharing, we build a stronger community together. When I think about the mission and the ministry of the church and the ways that we spend our money, I don't think about lights. I don't think about uh, all the other expenses we have to keep this building going. I think about faces. Faces of individuals who come to this church every single day and enrich my life and are enriched by the work of this church faces of people that my life would not be the same if I didn't have the chance to get to know you, if I didn't have the chance to get to worship with you and serve with you and, and study with you. Faces of people who, who may give my life meaning and my life purpose because we're in a community together. To think about giving as not just paying bills, but as building a relationship. I'll give you an example of that, of how that those faces can be transformative to us. I think I may have told you about this before, but Uh, I have a friend that I grew up with, and she has a little daughter named Ivy. And when Ivy was born, instead of deciding to celebrate her birthday by showering her with presents and with gifts, they decided they were going to do something different. They called all of their friends together and said, we want to raise some money and raise some food for our local food bank. And so instead of bringing presents to Ivy, we want you to bring canned goods and maybe bring some donations so that you can give it to the local food bank. Well, normally these people didn't, hadn't given a lot of money to the food bank, but because it was for Ivy, they brought all sorts of things, over 500 pounds of food in that first year. It was so successful that they decided to do it the next year. And every year, Ivy's birthday got bigger and bigger and bigger. And as Ivy grew up, she started participating in it. She'd go around to local businesses and say, I'm celebrating my birthday. It's that time of year again. Will you give and help us support people in our community in need? And these businesses who had never given to the community before looked at this beautiful face and this smiling face of this wonderful child and said, let's help out Ivy. Let's help out Ivy as she helps other people. And then other people who would come to the food bank to get food, instead of hanging their head and going in with need, they would say, Ivy is helping me. Because they would see a picture of her right there on the wall. It became not just about giving and supporting and, 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 and helping people who are the least of these, but it came about building a relationship. All because they saw the face of this child who wanted to bring a community together. Those are the faces I think about around here when I think about giving to this church. I think about our children in Sunday school who have a safe place to be because of giving to this church. I think about the faces of our preschool students, some of whom would not be able to afford to go to that preschool if it weren't for the giving of the people in this church. I think about the people I get to sit across from on Wednesday night and study the Bible with because of the resources that we have here at this church. I, I think about the people who drive through with smiling faces and, and we share food with and share a smile with at Manna on Meridian. It's not just about the food or the bills, but it's about the relationships. And if we want to continue to build relationships with people outside the walls of this church, then it starts with Giving. Giving of ourselves and recognizing that we have needs as well. We give so that we can build relationships with people in our community because those relationships inspire us. That's what happens around the communion table. We break that bread, we are nourished by that bread, but even more so, we are nourished when we share that bread with others. But it's not just about relationships with the people who are sitting here today. When we give to the work of this church, when we give financially to this church, it's also about the relationships of the people who have come before us and the people who will come after us. Every time we walk through those doors and I see that list of names of people who who founded this church back in 1954, I think about the legacy that they leave to us. It's about a relationship with them, an expectation that they have for us to carry on the legacy that they have left to us hopefully to pass it on to people who will be here when we are all long since gone. That legacy is so important, that relationship that we have with those people who are up in heaven now and those people who are yet to be born. I had an experience of that how important that is to me and my family just yesterday. I went to a Presbytery meeting, and we were reading, actually, believe it or not, the necrology at the Presbytery meeting, where we read all of the the members of our churches in our Presbytery who have passed away in the past year, the elders, and we, we read Peter Ray's name, we read Larry Wood's name, we read Lance Scouse's name, and while we were sitting there reading those names, Julianne got a text, or sent me a text, rather, that said her grandmother had just passed away. And I was sitting there thinking about her and how she is now in that cloud of witnesses and the legacy that she had given to me, just like those other people had given to us. There are lots of tangible things that her grandmother had given to us. One of the things that we inherited from her grandmother was a a Christmas cactus. Do you all know what that is? It's... I, I don't have a green thumb at all, but a Christmas cactus is a a type of cactus that blooms around Christmas time, has little red flowers on it, and it actually had come from Julianne's great-grandmother, Minnie. And Minnie took clippings of that and gave it to her grandmother, Ruth. And Ruth took clippings of that and gave it to her daughter and her daughter-in-law, Julianne's mother, and gave it all clippings of that to Julianne and to her sister and to her cousins. And now Julianne tends this Christmas cactus because every time she tends it, it reminds her of the gift and the legacy that her grandmother has left for her. I need you to know we killed a lot of plants in our house. I'm not, like I say, I don't have a green thumb. And there was a point last year where Julianne and I thought we were going to lose the Christmas cactus. It was not looking too good. But Julianne, knowing that it represented more than just a plant to her, Replanted it, repotted it, and I have to tell you, it's thriving today. All because it was something that meant something deep to her. Deep to me. A family member who has given us so much, we would not be here if it weren't for her. And Every time I walk into this sanctuary and every time I walk into our church, I think about all of those people who came before us. We would not be here if it were not for them. They have passed on the legacy of this church. And every time we give to the work of the church through our time, our energy, our talent, and our money, we are trying to recultivate and regrow this church, not just for us, but for the people who will come when we are long since gone. That's why next year, as we've been talking about, there are so many things I want us to do to continue to reconnect with the Holy Spirit because we have been through a tough time in our church in the past year. This pandemic and all the upheaval that we've been going through has pulled us at the seams and we have been struggling. But this is our time to dig deep, to reconnect. That's why Trinity and I have been planning things like new small groups for us next year so that you can reconnect with each other. New uh, retreats with marriage retreats and, and retreats to Montreat that we can do so that we can reconnect with each other. Opportunities to study together, opportunities more to worship together and celebrate together. And as you'll hear about next week, new opportunities to serve. Because all of those things help us to build communion and community. And we can't do that if we don't first give. Give of ourselves, all of ourselves, to the work of God. But those relationships, as important as they are, our relationship with each other and our relationship with the saints triumphant, all of those relationships really are just supposed to point us to one relationship. Our relationship with Jesus Christ. And every time we give to the work of the church, what my hope is, what my goal is, is that those gifts point someone else to a relationship with God. They remind somebody else that that God who maybe they think long since forgot them is right there with them, helping them, supporting them, caring them, even in moments when they feel like they have been forgotten. I want to tell you, in the time that I've been here, I have witnessed that here at this church, where your giving has been a visible, tangible reminder to someone else that God is still with them. In the past few years, of, year of we've tried to help out our mission partners more. I, they have not; Most people who have benefited from that have not written thank you notes to me, but I have to believe that they know that God is still with them because they've received support from our local agencies and our local mission partners. When Hurricane Michael came through a couple years ago and our churches up and down the panhandle were hurting and you and I collected money and helped people in need up and down the panhandle, it was a visible reminder to them that in spite of the destruction they were facing, God had not abandoned them. That money and those gifts reminded them that they were not alone. And we do that every single day in tiny ways, small ways. We remind people through our work, through our generosity, through our giving, that they have a relationship with God that is right here, that has never left them, that has never will. I experienced it a couple of weeks ago, in fact, in a very small way, I will tell you. We have a a visitor that comes to our church quite often, his, I'll I'll call him Joe, he comes often and asks for financial assistance, and I'm thankful that I'm often able to help him, but he's one of those people that he he doesn't want to just receive gifts from us, he likes to work for it, and so every now and then he'll come in and he'll ask if there's something he can do to try to to clean up something around the church, and when he came a couple of weeks ago... I really didn't have anything for him to do. I said, Joe, I I don't have anything for you to help with today. And I could tell he was kind of down. And I said, well, Joe, tell me what you need the money for. And he said, well, I'm going to a funeral myself. My aunt passed away and I don't have any clothes to wear to the funeral. Well, people don't ask me for a suit of clothes very often. I kind of saw this as a neat opportunity. And I said, let's go across the street to the store, and I'll buy you a new suit. I'll use the the generous money that you all provide for that. So we went over, and he started trying on jackets. I want to tell you, this smile came across his face as big as I've ever seen shoes and a belt and several other little things that he needed. He was so proud to have this nice suit. He had never had anything like it before. And then we went over to Whataburger and we started talking a little bit about his aunt and he told me about all the hard times that she had been through, similar to the hard times he had gone through. And, and I asked him, I said, well, what is it going to be like when you get to see your family? And he said, well, I'm going to tell you, they're going to wonder why I'm wearing such a nice suit. And I like some ministers do, kind of was fishing for a compliment. I said, well, what are you going to tell him?" Thinking they might say, well, there, he might say, there's this nice minister who bought it for me, or there's this nice church on the corner of Meridian and John Knox, they bought it for me. He got a big smile on his face. He said, I know exactly what I'm going to tell him. I'm going to tell him that God is able. God is able to provide so that we might share abundantly just like it says there in 2 Corinthians. And I realized that was the right answer. It's not because of us, it's because of God. God provides, and when we share, we draw people closer to God. God is able. God is able to provide. And thanks be to God, that God surely does. To the glory of God. Amen.